Hello, Paul here. Thank you for deciding to put this podcast in your ears, these conversations with people who make things about the what, the how and the why of their creativity. If you haven't already, then why not subscribe via Apple Podcast or whatever your streaming portal of choice is. It's on most of them. And if you are interested in creativity, making the things that are most important to you and how to bring all of that more deeply into everyday life, then you might find some stuff of interest at my website, paulmacaulay.net. Give that a second. And that's it. Thank you again and enjoy the episode. All right, how's it going? We're back. I know that doesn't really mean much in the asynchronous world of digital content consumption, but to my mind, it's been about... 12 months, maybe 14 months since the last episode of Creative Loving Spirit went out into the world. So yeah, over a year. What have I been up to? Um, Been writing a lot, writing some stuff for theatre, hosted a workshop on creativity, which went very well. I'm hoping to do that again um, sometime soon, perhaps in the new year. I've also, back in the summer, I started a new challenge for myself inspired by the idea of daily practice i've set myself the challenge of showing up every single day for at least 15 minutes for one year to do things that further realizing my creative dreams so it's about daily practice it's about paying attention to the things that i really want to create and it's also a learning thing because i'm also sharing the outputs and reflections on my daily efforts so if you're interested in that, um, check out my Instagram, which is Paul underscore Macaulay. And it's also on my blog on my website, paulmacaulay.net. And I've been having conversations, gathering conversations with people who make things, inspiring people who I want to talk to about stuff. It's taken a little longer than I originally intended to get this out, but uh, things happen as they're supposed to. I believe that the flow of life will do its thing you've just got to go with it and i'm actually really excited about it and happy with the way things have turned out because i've got a really good collection of conversations i'll be sharing with you over the coming weeks um so i met joel and his partner michelle through um some mindfulness mind fitness meditation work uh they were leading on and so i've known them for a few years now and um there's teachings the ideas and practices have had a, a real effect on me and and not only that but the sort of conversations I've had with Joel over the years have also in an unexpected way uh, informed the things I make including this very podcast so when I heard they were over in the UK I jumped on the chance to have a conversation with Joel and it feels like a really apt starting point for this new run of conversations because it speaks to the deeper contemplative spiritual aspect of creativity and uh, how we show up as conscious present beings um, in doing that kind of work and I couldn't think of anyone better to unpack that and uh, open up the vastness of, of what that might be than Joel. Um, so I hope you enjoy this conversation takes place uh, on on an autumn day, almost a year ago actually, in uh, a little place in Kemptown in Brighton. 
please excuse the noise outside and tune in to the flow of the conversation between me and Dr. Joel Levy. In those moments of flow, you know, there's a great sense of you know, skill. Like anyone who sits there and goes, oh, that's a talent I can't draw, just hasn't had the right teacher. And actually, sometimes, you know, you have to write so many things, so much stuff, that'll never go on. Because if it's not getting any reaction at all, or just a man, it'll just work out what should go on. Try harder. So it's having that sense of, well, I'm just making stuff because I know there'll be someone out there and they'll need it and they'll have it. Just as an invitation for people to look, you know, as this is coming to you, imagine it just opening and dilating dimensions of your heart and mind to allow a deeper kind of wisdom and inspiration to, to rise into our consciousness in order to then bring that brilliance forward and put it into forms and media or actions or words or movements of heart and mind or prayer that ripple out into the world and and open more hearts and minds to deeper wisdom and deeper love and deeper possibility Mm. so let's let's proceed in that spirit that's wonderful yeah and actually that hearing you invite that that's i mean that's that's my the deepest held aspiration for having these kinds of conversations and it makes me think about the podcast title which is creative loving spirit is actually something that arose in one of our conversations that you said to me i remember that yeah Yeah. and that really landed for you it really did yeah that's rippled out across yeah uh, and, and been yeah um and 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 so the but what that sort of highlighted to me or made me see is so important is you know is is you know love and the attention of care that we bring to how we manifest things in the world and and recognizing that it's you know there is a there is an individual spirit you know something deeper within all of us that um is asking to be you know paid attention to and and, and nourish and is the basis from which really great stuff happens so um brilliant mm. so um just as that this is a, a, a bit of a, a a setting piece how do, how how do you describe to someone you kind of meet on the street who you are and what you do and do you have a go-to thing or is it whatever the context it's all contextual yeah it's all contextual you know it's just how we language how we frame um who we are, you know, we can just, um, I say, go to our default, you know, babble about what it is. But mm. yeah, I love to say that, um, you know, one of my code names for myself, which I, I don't think I've ever articulated in, in a digital format, is L'Imaginaire. L'Imaginaire, you know, like the, uh, you know, there's this visionary archetype that's alive within me that you know, just has such deep and profound and kind of playful roots to it. So, you know, the visionary, you know, the, that kind of imagineering kind of archetype. I think, you know, for me at heart, I'm, I'm really, I aspire to be a mystic. You know, I aspire to be transparent in the dimension of my personal self and just open for the radiance and the brilliance and the glory and the like unbound creativity of my true spirit to flow out into the worlds and 
into the world in ways that are helpful, that help other people just gain greater freedom from the burden of who they think they are and to just get with the program of who they really are in the deepest level of their being. So, um, you know, it's, it's like we're all going through our lives like islands, you know, and here I am, you know, being Maui and you're being, you know, maybe um, Japan or UK or or Ireland or whatever, and Iceland, you know, we all kind of you know, defend our boundaries and, and, and do so much work kind of propping up the sense of separate self. But as we go deeper into ourselves, we kind of reach a point where there's a shared and common substrate. Mm. You know, there are universal dimensions to us within the fabric of seamless wholeness that are accessible to us in the deepest, most intimate of ways. And I think as individuals come to, to that kind of depth within themselves, then there's a, a profound reorganization with regards to how we see ourselves and, and our interrelationship and the meaningfulness and the potential in how we live together. So I aspire to, to you know, awaken ever more deeply into that kind of vast and cosmic view myself. Hearing that, that the quality of that, it's, it sounds, you're talking about this archetype, it's, it's, it sounds like an elemental um, force is not, not striving to be something, but just stripping away everything to find what's already there at its deepest most profound um level yeah this is wow it's wonderful why not why not yeah, 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 it's, it's like you know it's like einstein has this brilliant quote which is more like a mystical revelation or a prayer i think in terms of how i see it but he, says a human being is a part of the whole called by us the universe a part limited in time and space we behold ourselves our thoughts and feelings as something separate from the rest but this is only an optical delusion of consciousness mm. uh, our task uh, this optical delusion leads us to you know just value and have affection for those people nearest us and our task in life is to free ourselves from the prison of this optical delusion mm. of consciousness by widening the circle of our compassion in order to embrace all living beings and the whole of nature and all of its beauty. And I think, you know, the science that's emerging, you know, really in just the last five or ten years, the science around understanding this optical delusion of a separate self is quite profound. You know, there's this, there's this network of fibers and activity in the brain that's called the default mechanism network. Mm. It's kind of like the, the psychological, ego-driven hamster cage in the brain <laughs> that is constantly shuttling flows of energy and information, maintaining the narrative of our separate sorry-ass self, you know, of just me, 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 my, my, mine, defending my boundaries, you know, this is who I am, I know what's going on, I've got my shit together, you know, and, and very, you know, kind of self-focused, but in times of epiphany, uh, times of mystical experience, during the practice of meditation, under the influence of certain rather potent sacramental 
plant medicines, mm-hmm. um, the activity in the, uh, the default mechanism quiets down. And we're lucidly awake and aware, very open and sensitive and responsive to what's going on in the world around us. And we're highly functional as a selfless, loving, awake, creative spirit mm. moving through the world. And you know, through, and though the the latency for those kinds of moments of of kind of selflessness and openness and vastness and unity, you know, most beings have gotten had glimpses of that throughout their lives, accidentally. Mm. Uh, our latency to function more in that selfless, open, hyper creative, hyper responsive, um, compassionate, creative mode. Um, that latency can be cultivated through contemplative practice, mm. through various kinds of practices that have the neurological correlate and effect of quieting the activity in that mental ha- hamster cage mm. to leave us more awake and clear and responsive to the needs and the circumstances of the moment. As you speak there, I wonder if one of those glimpses one might experience, particularly in a artistic way of being, is you know that state of flow. Yes, absolutely. You, you know, being in the in the moment and, and being a, a channel for uh, uh, giving and receiving. Exactly. Yeah. And in those moments of flow, you know, there, there's a great sense of you know acuity and responsiveness and effectiveness and skillfulness. But it's also happening selflessly, you know, yes. if, when you're, you know, on the playing field or the battlefield or making love or dancing or doing your art form, you know, it's like, like you, there are moments when you just vanish. Yes. And there's just that creative spirit manifesting in this brilliance and this elegance and it's, and, and then, you know, maybe you coalesce back into, Wow. That's amazing, you know, and there's a moment where you kind of pop back into selfhood again. You yeah. Know? But to realize selfing is just a habit. Yes. It's a habit and it has its utility and there are times and modes in our lives when we need it. But I think for anybody just trying to bust the lid off of their creative spirit, you know, ideally when we come back to selfing, we do that in a more creative and elegant way. You know, there's mm. more... There's more fractals around the edges, you know. There, there's more, more vitality or more compassion or more um, um, helpfulness in how we reconstellate our our sense of self. And and maybe um, a, a, a sense of holding a little lighter, yeah. being a little more playful about that, yeah. not being so caught up in what that tells us about who we are. More, how do we use how we talk about ourselves or present ourselves. Yeah, there's a, a beautiful quote from a British fellow who who used the pen name Wei Wu Wei <laughs> for many years, and everybody thought this is some great Chinese mystic, and it was just some, I think, kind of British aristocrat <laughs> with a lot of wisdom. And he says, you know, why is it that 
uh, we suffer and struggle so much, you know, it's because 99% of our, our time and our energy goes into maintaining a sense of uh, ourself. Yeah. And there isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the seamless fabric of, of all that is, you know, it's like, um, you know, the waves on the ocean are not separate from the ocean. Uh, one of our favorite icons to help people conceive of this kind of dynamic, um, powerful selflessness is there's a website if you if you search for null school n-u-l-l -L school yeah it brings up this global wind map and you can look at this wind map and rotate the globe and see all of these storms that have names you know there's there's hurricane joel and hurricane michelle and <laughs> yeah you know, you know, all these storms with identities but you look closely at them and it's like where did that storm come from and where is it going and yeah. you come back and look at it a few hours or a few days later and it's like what what happened to it and it's it's just you start to see you know these vortices of identity and selfing that come together in powerful maybe even devastating kinds of ways are just arising out of the commons that we share of, of in the the universal stew pot that we're all kind of raisins in the same porridge you know and it's all it's all connected yes and those storms are, are transient they, they move along so one of the ideas i've been that um, reframing how you give your work to the world mm. because I noticed within myself certainly and I think with a lot of other people that there's this conception that we make something and then it's a battle of marketing <laughs> to try and convince someone to buy it and if they don't then it's the, the ego self is destroyed because it's being told it's not valuable and so I've been wondering I've been challenging myself to think about I guess what you speak there is actually seeing um, it relative to the other, um, and it's a, a being a more selfless act. So to make create something is a generous act. It's a it's a gift that um, is ho hopefully useful to somebody else, um, and to take your sort of ego out of the equation. Um, yeah, I think you know to have compassion for that for that self-interest mm. you know that we all we all want to be valued we all want to feel like we're delivering meaning you know we all want to have lots of likes you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah whatever it may be but um but there, there is more than that you know for me in terms of our life and work um michelle and i think about what we do very largely in terms of ripples yeah and I think, you know, through our work together in the, in the um, organization that we've been working in together, you know, I think that notion of ripples is, is very clearly understood and valued. That, you know, mm. like even through this conversation that we're having here and the mm. stream of, of um, digits that are flowing into your, your memory device here that will then be posted and then 
the auditory impulse of this will flow into people's minds and hearts and and maybe open them to a deeper kind of wisdom or insight or and that leaves their my, hearts and minds more transparent to capturing a brilliant idea and then expressing that brilliant idea through a play or a poem or a new endeavor, a social service organization or a great YouTube video. And then other people encounter that media or that, that those services and it touches them in ways that change their lives forever. And then they go on and they touch the lives of countless other people who touch the lives of countless other people who touch the lives of countless other people. And, you know, what have we set in motion here? Yeah, Just through the, the prayerfulness or the coherent intention or, or the care that we bring to having this conversation in this moment. How does that and how might that ripple out um, in ways that, that bring inconceivable benefit maybe for eons to come as it, start, as it continues to ripple out into the world? That's, yeah. And seeing from, yes, you can't consider that without working from a place of, well, we are all interconnected. What I do <coughs> matters and um, bringing my best intention to what I'm doing yeah. um, in service for other people is, is my responsibility. Um, yeah, and that's also a practice to bring your best, your highest, your truest, your most coherent, your most... Um, visionary your most sacred your most potent intention to what you do mm. you know most people wake up in the morning tumble it mindlessly into their devices stumble and tumble through their day with very few moments of really lucidly vividly living on purpose mm. you know very few people really stop and say you know I, um, and we recommend this as a practice to people, actually, and a challenge. We put this out before you touch your, your digital operating system in the morning to really wake up and maybe just smile to yourself and touch your heart and get in touch with your own primary operating system and begin by just celebrating that you're awake, that you're awake. And, and marveling at the presence of this creative spirit within you that knows that you know. Mm. And to smile and to activate that and embody that creative spirit. And then to take a few moments just to give thanks for the gift of another day in the great cosmic simulator of your life where infinite creative potentials are available and that your eyes are still working, your ears are still hearing, and that the... the you know, the the air is breathable and water is flowing out of your faucets and there's loved ones and friends and resources available. And to spend some, some precious moments just um, being um, activated and nourished through the power of gratitude mm. and to feel what you're grateful for and to radiate your gratitude and your thankfulness back to whoever, whatever you're grateful for. And then having you know, dissolved the illusion of your separate self to some degree through remembering that you're a shining node within this vast constellation of helpful and nourishing forces and sources in your life. Then to really listen for what's my, how do I want to live this day? What's really important for me to remember and stay true to? Mm -hmm. 
what qualities of being am I dedicated to embodying more fully? What, what endeavors am I seeking to advance? And to really listen for your guidance for the day. And to see how that inspiration comes to you as words, as images, as knowing, as feeling. And then to really take that guidance that comes to you for how you want to live this day to heart. And from there to proceed on into your day on purpose with clear and coherent intention. And then throughout the day when you lapse into mindlessness, when the demons of <laughs> habit have overtaken your life and you're just walking through the lanes like a mindless zombie troublemaker. I've done that. <laughs> to wake up, to wake up and maybe just pause for a moment and smile and come back to the presence of presence within you. Come back to feeling yourself as an embodied creative spirit. Come back to remembering the intention that you set for the day. Remembering what's important for you and gaining some traction with that. And then, you know, proceeding on purpose to be more creative, to be more kind, to be more helpful, to be more awake, you know, to really live on purpose. It's, it's a radical, creative, revolutionary act yeah. in a world full of mindless zombies. The very idea that we get to choose. We do. If to the degree that we're awake. Yes. We, we can choose to the degree that we're just, you know, letting the demons of habit run, run away with our lives. You know, there is no choice. Mm. One exercise, I think we've done this in some of the programs we've been in together, but might be a useful little thought experiment for your listeners is to reach out with one hand and hold all and vision. You can hold all of the moments of your precious life that you've really lived. You know, if you were eating, you were tasting. If you were, somebody was talking to you, you were listening. If you were walking, you knew you were walking and aware of your surroundings and your body. If you were driving, you were mindful that you were driving rather than going, how did I get here? <laughs> so imagine holding all the moments that you were awake to your precious life. And then the other hand, reach out and envision holding all the moments of your life that have just gone by unnoticed, un heard and tasted all those sips of fine expensive wine that you bought and invested in heavily and never tasted because you were so distracted all those precious moments with friends or children or in beautiful circumstances where you were just lost in your thoughts and you could never replay the beauty and the gifts of those precious moments that flowed by and then to put your hands in a, rel in a gesture that shows the relative proportion mm. of the moments well-lived and fully-lived and mindfully embraced, and those just just gone forever without a replay button. For the listeners, I can describe that my uh, that the moments of my life where I wasn't <laughs> really there, that hand is a l holding a little more weight. Yeah, but in this, not to feel, you know, maybe to feel some regret. Yeah. Some righteous regret, but not not necessarily shame, but to really feel a great sense of creative tenacity to get with the program, to wake up to our precious lives, to live well and to live on purpose and mm. to to from this moment forward in our lives to really dedicating ourselves to awakening more fully, to having the courage and the care 
to show up and live our ways in a way that we do have moments of awareness and choice. Mm. Where we can, you know, open our wardrobe in the morning and go, let's spice it up a little bit today. You know, you know it's just to see, you know, that the, our self is a creative construction moment to moment. Mm, what a wonderful thing and, to play and with. And, you know, what are the qualities, you know, I'm, I'm going to be more playful today or more kind or more patient or I'm going to wear more paisley today <laughs> or whatever it may be and to let our lives be our our ultimate creative endeavor or let let the kinds of organizations that we create and the kinds of relationships that we cultivate be our crowning glory of, of our creative spirit. Mm. through through the qualities of, of magnificence that we bring to them. Where is it in your life that um, it became necessary or, or important for you to, to hold those um, ideas as you know some bedrock beliefs in, in how we should be I'm interested in you, your journey there mm. must have been uh, a challenge that this was a solution to and I was wonder what that might be mm. there's so many harmonics of it yeah. I think you know part of it was you know imagine coming of age being a young man 15 years old in the late 60s in the midst of the Vietnam War mm. where in America at that point when you graduated from high school I guess you call it college here in yeah. Britain when you graduate you would be drafted and sent to fight in a stupid fascist war built on lies and um, so I was in a milieu of teachers and students and parents who are basically saying wake up kid you know just get your wits about you you know know what you value and what you care about and how important the decisions are that you make in your life and the choices that are available to you because that was a very real yeah i mean and, yeah okay. i mean in those days you know they uh, evening news was full of body bags coming back from vietnam you know and it was like like really ugly and uh, traumatizing yeah let alone you know the carnage and the the violence that was be per being perpetrated on the people of vietnam and southeast asia so there's this massive imperative to wake up and I had the good fortune to go to a high school where a lot of the teachers were into contemplative practice and meditation and creativity. And, and there were massive amounts of um, encouragement, let alone um, uh, entheogens widely available in those days that, to um, elevate our states of mm -hmm. inquiry. And um, so I think that was really when I, uh, as a young friend said, once when we reflect on this, got, that's when I got activated, you know, when I really realized that I had choices, profound yeah. choices I could make about my life. So, so you were a very young man then? Yeah, 15 so, years old. Wow, that's, um, I, I suspect that might be quite, well, it's quite unusual, unusual from my experience um, and where I've grown up. Um, to have that sort of call to awaken at such an early age, uh, formative age, 
um, radically alters your trajectory. Yeah, and I'm still friends with many of you know my mates from those days. You yeah, know, that were re you know really activated together. And, and then I went on into the university. I started doing research in consciousness and working in the consciousness research laboratory and trying to fathom what we as human beings are capable of. And my main research was on comparative mysticism, comparative mysticism and extraordinary human capability. And, you know, keep in mind in those days, the CIA um, and the intelligence agencies were doing research in psychic warfare and, mm -hmm. and and there's a huge project at Princeton University that launched in the 70s studying the, the impacts of consciousness as a, as a distance to um, mess with electronic systems and biological systems. And I mean, there's, there's thousands of studies that show that the mind is capable of non-local effects mm. that ripple out into our environment. So yeah, if, when I was 21, years old 20 21 years old i'm trying to fathom that you know through the lens of science and and uh and working in the in the psych lab and then you know for me over the years i've had many many mentors you know older brothers and sisters that were you know running research labs or writing books or working in laboratories in various kinds of ways that you know i would just go hang out with and talk and sleep on their couches mm -hmm. and and um, so I've just grown up in this, you know, profound inquiry into who are we really and what are human beings, you know, what is the full and true dimension of a human being and what are we capable of and what's the best we can create in our lives and our world. Doing clinical work, you know, it was really clear that stress is optional you know stress and overwhelm is really optional and if uh, we learn the proper skills then even though we maybe have been totally debilitated we can flourish was there a time when you a purpose or a, or a calling seemed to come into clear alignment or focus when you kind of thought ah it's i need to point myself over here or oh, i've been it's been a continuum. I mean, there there were some experiences of, of just really profound realization in about 78 or 79, mm. where, where I think the level of my confidence that as, in a sense, to put into an image, you know, if your listeners want to just try this on, you know, just imagine that you can reach up and touch your heart and and gently smile and just brighten the light of your awareness and envision that as you brighten the light of that awareness or that goodness within you that it's like a light within the jewel of your heart and that you've got feel some sense of confidence that you're you're capable of getting in touch with this inner goodness this inner wakefulness this inner knowing and that as you do it's like a light that shines more brightly within the jewel of your heart but then appreciate that as you brighten that light, that light shines forth into the boundlessness of the world. Mm. And that light is reflected in the heart jewels of all beings everywhere. And as that light is reflected in the heart jewels of all beings everywhere in this kind of boundless field of transparency and connectedness, 
that that light reflecting the heart jewels of all beings everywhere is actually shining in the way that activate is more likely to activate their potential. That's shining in a way that, that blesses and affirms and ignites something within them that we're adding our light to their light by finding that light within ourselves. So in... Um, in 1978 or so through some really deep transformative work there's just this profound realization that my awakening was connected to the awakening of all beings and that if i really took it to heart you know with great passion and and just great curiosity and great discipline that i could really dedicate myself to awakening every more fully in order to encourage all beings to awaken more fully and i think the fuel of that you know is it's like um technically you could call that um the awakening spirit of the bodhisattva yeah bodhisattva is a being who dedicates themselves to awakening for the benefit of all beings so there is a technical term and a Mm. historical precedent for it but i think you know all beings in their own ways in their own language have you know some kind of honoring of that kind of deep dedication in a profoundly creative altruistic way Mm. and that's that's a that's a key part of that isn't it it's a I know that there's a deep connection to some authentic self in the context of the wider field. It's not something one holds on to and enjoys the warmth of. It's yeah. yeah, and I think one can enjoy and appreciate that at a personal level, but then mm. there's the universal harmonic of that. May this joy and this goodness I feel you know, um, be shared by all beings. Mm. May may I deepen my peace or in my courage in a way that, that activates a deeper potential, the, the latency for peace or courage within all beings. And we, so we really we honor the personal and we clarify the personal. Mm. We enjoy the personal, but then we add this universal harmonic to it. And I think, you know, for the listeners of your podcast, and you know, just given what a strange attractor you are for all things creative and innovative and a bit quirky in a, in a really ennobling way, you know, that, that living our lives in a way where, where um, the goodness within us is shared in a boundless way with all beings is, is in many ways like an ultimate creative endeavor. Mm. At one level, it's creative imagination. At another level, it's just um, profound realism and, and intuition. Yeah, because mm. there are no separations. Our hearts and minds are completely open and transparent to each other. And I think anybody who's ever had a preverbal infant, um, and or anyone who's had a moment of deep love and intimacy, or anyone who's ever had a cat or a dog. <laughs> you know has caught moments of those kinds of you know profound glimpses that it's as though our hearts and minds are completely open to each other and there are no walls Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's so inspiring to to consider Um, and especially when i think about some of the creatives i've spoken to who um feel their practice or their work is is so precious and so deeply rooted in who they are and what's important that there's a I think there's a fear around um, sharing that about sharing that light 
Um, and but yes, this idea that of, of recognizing this of non-separation, that is, you know, what's what is deeply true and important for me must necessarily then you know, have uh, value um, to you know the wider sphere. Um, it's yeah, it's such a pro- feels to me a very profound way of thinking about things differently. Um, yeah, when we get hung up on on labels and. Um, yeah, I think, and, and scared about let, uh, revealing our, our true selves. Yeah, and I think a flip side, you know, because many of us are, you know, quite sad or tormented or depressed or mm. overwhelmed at times. The flip side is that in these moments of lucidity and clarity, um, we can embrace those more difficult or challenging experiences that we're in the midst of with great compassion. You know, it's mm. like... And that w- then we can share that compassion with all the other broken-hearted, all the other overwhelmed, all the other fearful beings of the world. You know, it's like Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese Zen master mm. and a teacher of, for Michelle and I. And we spent a lot of time with him. Thich Nhat Hanh has this classic quote where somebody says, how, how can I smile to my sorrow? You know, it's just so overwhelming and all-consuming. He says... You must smile to your sorrow because you're more than your sorrow. Mm. We must smile to our sadness and our depression and our fear and our rage because we're more than that. And mm. that 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 capacity to drop in to to find a spacious skylight dimension of our true being rather than imploding into the clouds uh, and I didn't, letting the clouds define us to find that more spacious dimension that is there simultaneous with the, the just profound intensity of suffering. And to realize suffer, uh, suffering is with me, but it doesn't define me. Mm. Sadness, grief, rage, depression is with me, but it doesn't define me. And that, that act of sovereignty of being able to just smile tenderly, you know, to, this, this I think is the profound power of mindfulness or the pr- profound power of kindfulness, if you will, that we learn to smile to our, our sorrow because we're more than our sorrow. And then in that, in touching that moment of a, just a brief little glimpse of liberation, which doesn't mean that the sorrow or the pain goes away. It just means that it's held in compassion, it's held in openness, that the, instead of being identified with it, there's a moment of greater spaciousness and freedom that then we can we can shine the light of that forth, that all beings who are imploded into their own gnarly, painful circumstances might just find a little bit more spaciousness to open to their grief or their sorrow or their shame or whatever and not be defined by. And that sounds, um, I, to some people that might sound so distant, but as you, as you were speaking there, it, the quality of attention of seeing, of being able to smile upon your sorrow and see it as not yourself but something that you can look upon. It's with you, very profoundly with yeah. you. But you know, but that you're more than that. Yeah, and and, and that's, that's what happens when people create. I think I I have I, I believe that I think um, people, I think people create in part um, as a healing act. To, to be able yes. to look upon their experience yes. and understand it in a in a from a degree of separation um, so the idea that um, 
we can not get caught up in that and we can decide what attention we bring to that and then the attitude around that um, people do that anyway it's uh, it's not a foreign concept it's it's there but there's something and, and I think around creativity or, or making things there is the opportunity then to as you say like dial up the quality of um, how you sort of work with your experience because you're doing it already yeah, yeah. I mean you know I like I love the image of you know just um like mixing sound, you know, that you can you can move the sliders, you know. Mm. And it's like, I remember one of my Vipassana teachers, um, a wonderful man named Robert Hover, who's a contemporary of Goenka, who, you know, style of Vipassana is very uh, widely practiced. Uh, Hover was a teacher in the same lineage, and Hover would teach um, Abhidharma and Buddhist psychology, you know, kind of like recombinant psychology, where you could kind of turn down the gains and the sliders on some of your more neurotic, you know, and, and problematic qualities of being and boost the amplitude of some of the more wholesome factors yeah. in the mind. And you'd just go in and you'd mess with it, you yeah. know, because you, there would be this kind of curious, creative, you know, more spacious capacity to just see the shenanigans of the uh, the kind of wild, undisciplined mind, and to just go in and kind of like, like, like move the molecules yeah. around a little bit, you know. And you don't really have to listen to the it. CD. You can go into the studio and yeah, get and the, uh, remix, the remix your mind, remix you know, mind. Yeah. which I love. And, yeah. And one one point I wanted to make, you know, going back to the smiling to the sorrow. There's a really useful little acronym that's used in teaching mindfulness. Mm of RAIN, R-A-I-N, and that the R is about recognition, and the A is about acceptance, and the I is about investigation, and the N is non-identification. So in this moment, to recognize what you see, what you hear, what you feel, and to accept that, you know, and it's, it's acceptance kind of like the weather, you know, it's like mm. you step out and you go, damn, it's raining today and you know you recognize it and you accept it you take your umbrella and you just get on with yeah, it you know or it's sunny in the rain. you don't have to like it yeah. but, you know you recognize and you accept but then the eye is to investigate and it's the sense of what is this what is this joy what is this sadness what is this this idea that's emerging uh, what is this painting that's kind of on the canvas here this this thread of a plot for a play, you know, what, what, what's emerging here? What's present? What, what is this? And the end of non-identification is that whatever it is does not define me. Mm. I'm bigger than that. You mm. know, there's this recognition and there's that which is being recognized. Mm. And the recognition, the, the openness, the mindfulness, that spacious awareness is more like the sky and everything else that's arising and passing is just mind stuff it's it's clouds it's thoughts it's feelings it's imagery you know but it, it's just who we are is so much more than that that's been quite useful to me in a very practical sense when i think about my writing mm-hmm. um uh, when i was writing in, in the past i would get wholly caught up in the ideas and this thing you know it's me and the idea of 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 completing something my whole sense of worth was bound up in how good this thing was going to be and I do notice now a different quality of being able to step back and kind of say 
I've done my best today with that. I've played with the ideas. Yeah. I can park that and I'm, you know, it'll continue to unfold. I'm not sort of caught up in the fate of this thing or letting it just sort of define my ability or anything like that. Yeah. And as you relax and as you open up, then 4.0 might show up. And yes. you kind of go, oh, if we shift this character yeah. in this way or we... You know, there, there's another way that this could end or, or there, you know, there's just nuances to bring in. And, you know, to the degree that we're open, we, we can capture those insights. Yeah. Let, let, let go of something and, 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 and let um, open that, yeah, let that space uh, re, you know. Configure. Reconfigure yeah. and what else will filter in. That, yeah. There's one inspiration I wanted to bring forth, given the audience for this podcast, yeah. Paul, and that's our work with the art monks and the art uh, monastery okay. project. Which so what's this? just been fascinating. Uh, the art monastery project started to recognize, you know, there were a lot of old monasteries in various parts of Europe um, that had just kind of been abandoned or fallen into ruin and... You know, the villages that are around them had, you know, stopped flourishing or what have you. So the art monks started going into some of the European villages where there were monasteries like this and saying, hey, could we move into your monastery with a bunch of artists and like do art and do art festivals and like reinvigorate your community or what have you and have a free place to live while we're doing this? And and it's grown into this kind of global movement of amazingly creative people that um, you know created the Burning Man Opera and you know people from um, you know symphonies and and uh, opera groups and various troops in different cities in different ways. But we've started doing these ten-day silent meditation retreats, kind of on a vipassana mindfulness sort of sort of format, where the artists have the opportunity to not only deepen in their deep contemplative um, refinement practices, but also to engage in creative endeavor as part of the silent retreats. So um, there would be hours each day where people could do their painting or their dancing or their writing or play their instruments or what have you as a meditation and then go back into the silence and the rhythm of the meditation mm -hmm. practice. And over the course of the 10 days, then we go from just doing solitary sessions to doing group sessions where there isn't any dialogue or commentary, somebody will say, let's just do variations on Ave Maria, or let's just sketch portraits of each other, or let's do contact improv and move together, but not in a conversational way, but just kind of co-emergent creativity. Let's just jam in this key for a while and mm. see what emerges and do it as a meditation and then after that session go back into the silent rhythm of the meditation retreat and then at the end of the retreat at the end of the 10 days all of the artists who've been involved pull together you know some of the the sweetest inspirations of the most meaningful riffs or rants or or compositions or whatever that may have emerged from the retreat and do a like a, a concert or a creative you know space for the community to come in and and they'll play or they'll do spoken word or they'll show their art or they'll you know engage people in, in some kind of creative 
the, mischief together. The fruits of... Yeah, and share it. And, you know, I, I think every time we've been involved with this in these community things, people are just... The audience is just in awe to be invited into such a sacred space and mm. such a creative space. And people are are in awe, wonder, tears, you know, just, this is really magnificent, you know? Wow. So it's such a great model of, you know, deep inner work to kind of open the portals of possibility and mm. creative inspiration and intuition. And then to to be able to, to mess around with that in an environment free from outer distraction. Yeah. Where you can just wholeheartedly just be in the deep silent investigation and just uh, hear the harmonics of the harmonics of the harmonics and the wisps of the tiny wisps of the wisps of inspiration and bring that forth and then share that together and see what happens when you mix it with other people's colors and things and and uh, and then to bring that forth and share it with the community it's been magnificent Michelle hosted a, um, a session on creativity yeah. in which some of our colleagues came together and just, to, I guess, tried to sort of crack open some different ways of being and thinking about um, things in order to sort of, what, what do we need to pay attention to to be able to respond creatively to the world? And there was some, I had, had some conversations with some of the people who came to that after the session, yeah. which I just wanted to share a couple of things yeah, back because I, I, I don't know, they, they feel like really important to me. But one of them was, um, I mean, I, I spoke to a, a couple of people and they talked about the quality of feeling anything was permissible, anything which arose was acceptable, um, and the idea that there wasn't, it wasn't possible to get something wrong, which I think is really important to responding creatively. There's no right or wrong, there's just what isn't and then what is, and accepting that, which I, I felt was... Um, really important and the other thing was someone said something which I felt was actually quite profound um, she said uh, yes and so she felt very sort of able to come forward and express these kind of things that are emerging in her in her mind and experience and she said sometimes we we're afraid to share our thoughts and feelings when we don't understand them hmm I thought that was wonderful. Wow. Yeah, because that to me is that's sometimes the barrier. Like, I can't not know, or yeah. you, you know, uh, and I'm afraid, and I'll censor myself, maybe even from exploring for myself, let alone sharing that with others. Whereas if we do share it and mm. we do reveal it, oftentimes through the act of articulating. I mean, how often do we really know what we're going to say? You know, but but we, there's this sense of of wanting to control, but oftentimes through expressing, then we can gain tremendous amount of insight and kind of go, oh, wow, that's what's really going on for me. Yeah. You know? and, and, and through that personal recognition within ourselves, that gives us more em empathy and appreciation for what other people are, are dealing with in their own lives. So our own self-discovery helps us to be more empathic and more connected to other people. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, if um, 
Yeah, just exploring through dialogue or jamming or whatever, recognising that I don't need to hold all the pieces, but I have something and, and sharing that and then working with what emerges. That's yeah. That's the essence. That's of beautiful. Creative. So uh, you might remember there's a there's a practice that's I think helpful in terms of understanding and accessing deeper creativity that comes out of the Korean Zen tradition. Yeah. And uh, as you breathe in, you say to yourself, "Clear mind, clear mind, clear mind." And as you breathe out, don't know. Clear mind, clear mind, clear mind don't know and you just start to kind of commune with having this vivid lucid clarity and just opening into unknowing uncertainty vastness infinite possibility and then clear clear mind clear mind clear mind don't know and to uh if nothing else, it kind of gets you smiling. Yeah. You know, it activates your vagus nerve and, you know, kind of calms the system down a little bit. But can also just, you know, just help us chill out a little bit on that anxiety about not having it all clear, not completely understanding, or, you know, just it's okay if, if um, you know, th things are ambiguous, you know. It's, ambiguous and complex. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, so the, you know, increases our capacity to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm. to have clarity in the midst of our confusion. As we were doing that just then, I, I felt, sense I often have with that and it's just it's a sense of liberation oh, yeah oh, I can set down having to need to know yeah. I can let that go one thing I've noticed sometimes I, I speak to people who express this idea that they're not creative or they don't have a, a creative ability um, you know that's a real belief or story for them um, I want. I wonder how what, 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 how that lands for you. What do you? What does that bring up for you? Yeah, I think you know part of it is um, one of my favorite kind of invitations or challenges or assignments for people who tend to hang out with us or study with us is to be curious about how we source our guidance. You know, how do how do we you know really tap into creative inspiration and and some very simple ways that people can begin to experiment with that is just when you're hungry go into the kitchen and open all the cupboards in the refrigerator and just stand there and listen for your guidance as to what would most nourish you right now you know what do you want to eat and see how that comes to you is it visceral is it imagery does it have words or narrative to it you know does it are you just drawn you know to to pick up you know the apple or the orange or the avocado or whatever you know it's just how does how does that inspiration come to you or or to stand you know naked in front of your wardrobe or open all your drawers and just say what am i going to wear today you know and just how does that come to you you know the imagery the feeling and the guidance that and to begin to tune into throughout the day you know, you, you're walking down the street and you go, oh, I'd like to listen to some music, you know. It's just with the zillions of, of uh, tunes that are available on whatever you're streaming or whatever you, playlists you have. How do you know what you want to dance to right now, you know? And it's just to, to begin to kind of curiously 
open the mind to see how do you make those decisions and choices. And then as you're walking places, as you come to a, uh, a street corner, you know, do you go left or right or forward? Do you go joyfully or grumpily? Do you go mindfully or mindlessly? You know, and to just begin to tune into how many moments of choice and creative potential there are. Do we, do we walk or do we skip or do we skateboard? You know, mm. between here, point A and point B. You know, and it's just. Um, do we swing our arms or walk with our hands in our pockets? Do we radiate waves of rainbow light, loving kindness and blessings to each other, myself, who we see along the way, who just like me is a, is a bundle of enormous potential and, and sadness and humanity? Or do we just stumble along imploded into our own misconceptions and anxieties? You know, it's just choice follows awareness mm. and and in those moments of awareness when we have the courage to really show up what choices are available and how do we creatively sculpt and craft the, the, the and embroider the fabric of our life to realize our movement through the world is a tapestry mm. is a painting you know and how are we airbrushing it are we just rubbing shit all over the <laughs> all over the canvas or are we just there with our air, airbrush of loving kindness and blessing you know lighting up every being who we meet along the way mm. yeah it's just i think just that kind of curious creative caring spirit yeah you know our lives are our artwork yes not just our artifacts and um yeah asking yourself the question is the act of opening the space for giving uh that some attention and allow yourself to to work with that rather than do the mindless grab the grab the apple and go <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. what, what inspires you or what's inspiring you at the moment what's moving you to what are you seeing that's kind of moving you to want to um act or even just appreciate mm, great question Paul I, you know what comes to mind mm. when you ask that question is the beauty of nature mm. and the preciousness of this amazing planet that we live on and a real deep wish that the integrity of this beauty and life support system may be preserved and it won't be preserved unless beings awaken more fully to a deeper kind of wisdom and compassion in terms of how they li live their lives and make choices and set policy and mm. so there's a great you know creative ins inspiration to increase my own capacity and skillfulness to be uh, an awakening enlivening inspiring force for good in the world you know on this trip you know here in the uk and we just came from Dubai, where we were working with the Prime Minister's office, we'll be speaking to British Parliament next week. We'll be working with the Catalan government and activists in the Catalan region of Spain next week. Um, you know, we're in a position where we have some influence with, with people and leaders and communities that have the potential to create great good or great harm in the world. Mm. And the research shows that 
only about 15 to 18% of leaders are equipped with the necessary skills they need to function really effectively in these VUCA times of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And most leaders are just, you know, functioning from a place of great overwhelm and ineptitude and reactivity. Um, so, you know, I'm deeply inspired to do whatever I can to increase my own capacity to be a force for good and responsive and creative and ennobling and helpful ways for the high-level leaders we work with, the young people who we work with, um, whoever it is that might find their way to wisdomatwork.com and get involved with us in various kinds of ways. Joel, thank you very much for this, for sharing this time and bringing yourself to this conversation, which I've really enjoyed. Thank you, Paul. It's always a joy to wax creative with you <laughs> and, and to just be in the field of your creative spirit and, and your influence and to see the, the many really you know, wonderful ways that that has manifested in your community and in your world through your endeavor. And my hope is that for the listeners, that you'll really take the inspiration of these precious moments together, listening to Paul and I chat together, and take this to heart, kind of like waves of light that you carry with you that will brighten your life and open your heart and mind to deeper levels of knowing and, and inspiration, and, and that you'll carry this light with you forevermore, and that even in this moment as this podcast ends, that the light of that goodness and inspiration with you might shine forth from your heart along with our own in this moment in a way that activates um, the deepest, truest creative spirits within all beings, that, that those potentials might blossom and ripple out into the world as a tsunami of blessings and inspiration that we all might awaken more fully and live in this world with greater wisdom and compassion and creative spirit. What a wonderful off-ramp into whatever's <laughs> next. That's lovely. something I enjoy when listening back to conversations for the podcast when I'm editing them and putting them together especially when it's been a while since that conversation took place and there was quite a gap between uh, recording this conversation with Joel and, and it coming out to you now and um, in listening back I often find myself re uh, reintroduced to how it was to be in that space with that person at that time having that dialogue and I have this real sense of uh, the warmth and um, openness of presence that Joel has. It's a wonderful thing to be in the company of and I hope that that comes across in the conversation. There's lots of stuff in there and conceptually and also very very practically in terms of how to uh, 
elevate states of consciousness and, and presence in, in everyday life. And I really would recommend uh, checking out some of Joel and Michelle Levy's uh, work. They have a website called wisdomatwork.com, which uh, gives a lot of background about the wealth of experience they've had, um, offers resources, uh, many of which I think are free, and uh, also some uh, signposting to their teachings. They travel quite a lot um, internationally, so the chances are, if you'd like to engage with them in a uh, face-to-face way, they are wonderful um, and generous and wise presence to be in if you have the chance thank you very much again for listening to my conversation with joel i hope you enjoyed it and uh, do subscribe and come back next time for the next episode of creative loving spirit okay bye